Let's sing Greater Is He.
stand standing. Amen. Hey, I'm thankful for Jesus this morning. And because of Jesus, there is no more condemnation. Because of Jesus, we have been reconciled with the Lord. And because of Jesus, we are redeemed this morning. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hey, I'm so glad you're here. So thankful that you're back here at Kavanaugh Church this week. If you're a guest, thank you so much for joining us. And those online, thank you so much for tuning in. We have a lot going on this morning. And I hope you guys are ready. I hope you guys are excited. Uh, God's going to do some great things today. So let's ask for his anointing on this service right now. Let's pray. Lord, I love you, and again, thank you so much for bringing us back together here uh, this Sunday, this beautiful Sunday morning that you've given us here in Kavanaugh Church. Lord, I pray for awesome things today. I pray through the preaching of your word that uh, lives are changed, that people are saved, and that we walk out of this place brand new because of what you've done. So thankful for your word. I'm so thankful for my pastor. I'm so thankful for our praise team as they ha are, have prepared and, and have and really worked hard to get this service ready for us today, God. So open our hearts, prepare us for what you have, and just anoint this service in your name. Amen. Let's continue to worship.
praise your name this morning. Lord, you always make a way, even when there doesn't seem to be a way. You always make a way. I praise you for that this morning because, Lord, you've done that in my life this week. You've always made a way. You're so faithful. I praise you this morning. You're so good. You are holy. Lord, if there's one here this morning that doesn't know you, show your faithfulness to them this morning. Speak to our hearts. Open up a new word. We love you. We thank you. We praise you, Jesus. For you're the one true God. There is no other God like you. Let us never forget that. Let us not take you for granted. Let us lift you high, for you are holy, you are mighty, you are precious. I pray that you would sweep over us and speak to us and let us change in a way that we've never been before. Speak to the children in this building. Let no one leave here as they came. We love you, Jesus. In your precious name, amen. big hand, would you? That, uh, that last song started, I thought these walls would fall by now. Hey, you know what? Today some walls are going to fall. Amen? Are you ready? <laughs> Come on. They're going to. Uh, glad that all of you are here. Those watching online, thank you for uh, viewing today. We have a special guest with us this morning. I'd like to say hi to our good friend, and pastor from Puerto Rico, Pastor Jose. He's here. Come on up here, buddy. Pastor Jose from Puerto Rico. We love Pastor Jose. We love his family, the work that they're doing, the ministry in Puerto Rico, the, uh, the school that they have going. Love you, buddy. I'm so glad that you're here with us in the States. Uh, Puerto Rico is a state, but you're with us in Arkansas. Pastor Jose is going to go to the Arkansas Minister's Retreat this week with the Kavanaugh staff, so pray for him. He's going to be with the renegades from Kavanaugh, and uh, he, he needs our prayers. I've asked Brother Jose to pray for us. You, you may not understand the words that come out of his mouth, but I think we can agree in spirit. He's praying for our service today. Would you pray for us, Pastor Jose? Amen. Señor, te doy gracias por esta mañana, gracias por permitirnos estar aquí en la iglesia. Señor, te pido por el mensaje que pueda tocar nuestros corazones. Así te pido por el Pastor Will, Señor, te pido por cada uno de nosotros, cada uno de la iglesia, que pueda abrir su corazón para que el, el Espíritu Santo pueda hablarnos esta mañana. Así lo creo, en el nombre del Padre, del Hijo y del Espíritu Santo. Amén. 
Amen. Bless you, buddy. Love you so much. And I felt the power of God in that prayer. Amen? Amen. I'm, I am preaching through uh, the book of Joshua in a little series in, entitled Building Tomorrow Today. And this morning we're going to talk about five steps to a miracle. Five steps to a miracle. Uh, few stories in the Bible are better known than the one we're going to talk about today, and that is Joshua and the Battle of Jericho. Now, I grew up in a Free Will Baptist church in Midland, Texas, and I learned this little song when I was just a little bitty kid, Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. Jericho, Jericho, Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, and the walls came. Well, some of y'all sang the same song. Isn't that amazing? The, the next line of that song says, you may talk about your men of Gideon, you may brag about your men of Saul. There's none like good old Joshua and the battle of Jericho. But you know what? There's one thing you need to know about this battle in this story today. What they did was totally impossible. That city was impregnable. Those walls were massive. Totally, absolutely, completely, and utterly impossible for them to destroy the city of Jericho. Jericho stood between God's people and the promised land. But there is no way, humanly speaking, they could take that city. A smart man would just walk away from it. In fact, I think Kenny Rogers was there because he wrote a song about it. Sometimes you got to know when to hold them, <laughs> when to fold them, when to walk away, and when to run. Yet God's people didn't run away, and they had a great victory that day. How did it happen? Well, if we fast forward to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 30, it tells us how they did the impossible in two words, by faith. It was by faith that those walls fell, and those two words says it all. But the story is so incredible, we need to spend a little bit of time this morning investigating what happened. As we study Joshua chapter 5 and chapter 6, we discover five steps to a miracle. Now, when I said that a little bit ago, I saw the gleam start in some of your eyes because you need a miracle right now. And you're ready with pen in hand. You want to write these five things down so that you can have your miracle as well. Can I tell you the good news is God is a God of miracles. Nothing is impossible with God. And if you are on God's side, miracles will happen in your life. Now, that's not to say that they're going to happen for you today, right now. But I do believe if we do the same things that Joshua and the children of Israel did there will be miracles in our life. So let's get into these five steps. Are you ready? First one is a tough one. Number one, step one, you need to yield your right to be in charge. And I lost 95% of you right there. When I wrote that a week ago, I thought that was a pretty good way to say it. Since then, uh, the Lord's kind of put another word on my heart about the same thing here. And it's this. You need to submit to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Amen. Again, I hate to go back when I was a kid, but when I was a kid, our preacher preached on the lordship of Jesus all the time. 
It was a dominant theme that was driven into my heart. And I hate to say it, but we preachers don't talk about it nearly enough today. And I think the reason is because it is so hard for us to do that. It is so hard for us to submit to God. It is so hard for us to yield our will to become his will. Why? Because we want to be in charge. We want to hold the steering wheel of our life and we want to call the shots. And when we face an impossibility, we want to tell God how to handle it. But we can't do that, all right? Now, in order to understand this story, you've, you've got to start with this strange encounter that happens at the end of chapter 5. It really happens in chapter 5, verse 13. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and he saw this man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or are you for our enemies? Now, I think that's a pretty logical question. Whose side are you on, buddy? It kind of reminds me of the time when somebody asked President Lincoln if he thought God was on the Union side of the Civil War. He paused, and with great wisdom, he replied, Sir, my concern is not whether God is on our side. My greatest concern is that we be on God's side. Because God is always right. So let's read about how this encounter went down from there. Neither, replied the man, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servant? Wow, what an incredible encounter. Here Joshua is face to face with the commander of the army of the Lord. And I'm sure he was an imposing figure, don't you imagine? Now, let me go back here and talk about this. We, we tend to think in terms of us versus them, don't we? I mean, are you a Democrat or a Republican? Are you on my team or the other team? Are you for us or against us? And we all like to think that we're on the right team. Because my team is the best team. Whether it be Greenwood or Arkansas or the Dallas Cowboys, I just can't understand why you would root for any other teams. Because my team is the best team. And this afternoon, when some of you are watching football on TV, you're going to be praying for your team. Let me remind you of something right here. God doesn't join human teams. God's not a part of human teams. And in this case, Joshua is standing face to face with the commander of the army of the Lord. Now let me just do a real quick time out here because this, you need to hear this word. Many theologians believe that this was an appearance of the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, there are numerous times when an angel of the Lord appeared and had a conversation with a human being. In many of those occasions, such as this one, we believe that it was none other than Jesus Christ. 
So before he became a baby born in Bethlehem, in the beginning of the gospel, Jesus appeared on earth in the Old Testament. And here we believe it is Jesus who is the commander of the Lord's army. I believe that. I want you to put that in the back of your mind because we're going to come back and visit that again. But note how Joshua responds. He falls flat on his face and he asks, what message does the commander of the army of the Lord have for him? Notice he doesn't ask, how in the world can we build, win this battle? He doesn't ask the commander, can you please come and help me <laughs> knock these walls down? You see... All human considerations fly out the door when we stand face to face with the God of the universe. This brings us to a key theme or motif in the book of Joshua. And here it is. God's work must be done God's way in order to receive God's blessing. That's the underlying theme for this entire book. God's work has to be done God's way if you want to receive God's blessing. Now, every one of us in this room would agree with that, wouldn't we? If so, say amen. amen. But when it comes to facing a crisis, we want to tell God how to work on our behalf. When we're face-to-face -face with an impossibility, we want to tell God what he needs to do for us. It doesn't work that way. At some point... At some point, we have to yield our will to his will. At some point, we have to submit to the lordship of Jesus Christ. And I say at some point because that doesn't come easily for us. It's not easy for us to yield. It's not easy for us to submit. We often sing these lyrics in church. Have thine own way, God. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will while I am waiting, yielded and still. Great words. And it's easy to sing it, but it's different to mean it. It's easy to say it. It's hard to live it. We can make all the plans in the world, but if God doesn't bless our efforts, man, it's going to come to nothing. We don't need God on our side. We need to be on God's side. Amen. Amen? We need to yield our will to his will. We need to submit to the lordship of Jesus Christ. As difficult as, as that is to do, it must be done. Now again, I want to say this in a parenthesis right here, but I believe it with all my heart. Most of your problems whether they be personal problems, relational problems, financial difficulties, uh, problems at work. Most of your problems could be alleviated, if not done away with, if you would simply submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. If you would stop trying to run your own life. If you would stop trying to do it your own way. I did it my way. Well, that's stupid because it doesn't work. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Who made you? God. Come on, i got to get down here. Who made you? God. Who knows you better than anybody else knows you? God. Who has a perfect plan 
for your life? God does. God is the answer to all those questions. So why in the world would we butt heads with the God of the universe? Why would we try to do it our way when his way is the best way? Why would we strive with God when God wants the best for you and has the best plan for you? Doesn't it just make sense that we take our hands off the steering wheel and let God drive our car? So it all begins when we submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Are you ready for step two? However we want to do that today. Step number two is you face your impossibility. You face your own impossibility. Now, the, the city of Jericho was within view side of the Jordan River. That was the first impossibility that the Israelites had to face. How in the world are they going to cross the Jordan River? Remember last week? It's at flood stage. It's a mile wide, 40 feet deep. It was impossible for them to cross that river to go into the promised land. But what did God do? Man, he, he provided a miracle. He heaped the water up 17 miles north in the city of Adam, and they walked across on dry ground. That was miracle number one. Now they face a second impossibility. Just on the other side of the Jordan River was this massive, impressive, fortified city called Jericho. The Canaanites made it as a special fortified city, so the first thing you encountered when you crossed into their territory was the walled city of Jericho. And it was impressive. In fact, in Deuteronomy chapter 9, it says it was a fortified city and its walls went up to the sky. They were so tall you had to tilt your head to look at them. And not only was it a massive city, it was a wicked city. It was a Canaanite pagan city. They, they, you think America is bad right now? Let me tell you what. They were really bad. They were so bad that they sacrificed their own children to their gods as an act of worship. Should I say it? It sounds like what we're doing today in America is we sacrifice our unborn children to the God of self. They were doing it on altars. They were consumed with sexual immorality. And here's what God knew. God knew that his people could not coexist in a territory with pagans. And so God's commandment, whether you like this or not, God said, you destroy the city. You knock it down. But you know what? It was impossible to do that on their own. They couldn't do it. It was a fortified city. In fact, in the last 140 years, archaeologists have done an enormous amount of research on the ruins of ancient Jericho. And what they've discovered is it was not only a walled city, it was a double-walled city. There was an inner wall and an outer wall, and it was built on a slope, making it virtually impregnable to any attacking army. So the road into the promised land ran through Jericho and stamped over the city of Jericho was the word impossible. You know what, that just that made me stop this week and think about something. Every one of us 
Every one of us at some point in our life are facing an impossibility. Just like this impregnable city, we have an impossible situation that, that we can't on our own go through. We can't go over it. We can't go under it. We can't go around it. What in the world are we going to do? Well, let's see what they did. Step number three, you follow God's plan. And can I tell you something? God had a pretty strange plan. God's plan in Joshua chapter 6 is pretty odd. In fact, let me, let me just spell it out from the verses at hand. There are eight steps that he wanted his people to take. Number one, march around the town once a day for six days. Number two, march with the Ark of the Covenant in the front. Number three, put seven priests in front of the Ark. Number four, on the seventh day, march around Jericho seven times. Number five, have the priests blow the ram's horn as they march. Number six, on the seventh time around on the seventh day, have the people shout. Number seven, when the people shout, the walls are going to come down. And number eight, when the walls come down, enter the city and conquer it. That right there was God's plan. And if that is not strange enough, in the next few verses, Joshua adds a couple of things to it. He instructed the people to be silent as they march around. That is one of the hardest things for Christians to do. Number two, he put soldiers in front of the priest and behind the ark. And number three, he had the priest blow the ram's horn continually. And at this point, God's people faced a clear choice. Either attempt to take the city by following God's instruction, or they come up with their own plan. And as strange as God's plan was, you know what? They stuck with God's plan. And it's a good thing they did. Because if they tried to do it on their own, it would have been an utter fail. So for six days, they marched around the city one time a day, and then they went back to their camp. Tried to do a lot of research on this. We really don't know how big the circumference of Jericho was. They estimate that it probably took them about an hour to walk around it, but they did. They walked around it, totally silent, went back to camp. On the seventh day... At the end of the seventh time around the city, the priest sounded a long blast on the trumpet, and the people shouted as loud as they could. Now you tell me, what are the chances of this plan working? Here's the whole plan. We're going to march, we're going to blow horns, we're going to shout. That sounds like something we do at a football game. And from a human perspective, the Joshua plan is not very promising. I put the formula up here on the board. Marching, trumpets, shouting equals, I mean, what are you going to get from that? How exactly is that going to bring the walls down? So far, what we've got is a History Channel special entitled, Greatest Military Blunders in the Universe. But the story ain't over. Because after they submitted to the lordship of Jesus Christ, and after they, they remembered God's promise and his plan, they went to this next step, and that is they relived the promises of God. What gave the people any hope of taking Jericho? Well, the answer is simple. All they had to do is remember the promises God had given them. And this promise goes way, way, way back, all the way to Abraham. I'm going to give you this land. 
He gave it to Abraham's son. He's given it to the children of Israel. He gave it to Joshua. Notice how this story begins in chapter 6, verse 2. He said, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and all of its fighting men. I want you to notice that is in the past tense. Because when God gets involved, it's as good as done. When God speaks, you can take it to the bank. And that is why Joshua had all the confidence in the world in God's plan. He knew that he had guaranteed victory. All he had to do is submit and obey. Let's follow God's plan. The second thing about this is where God placed himself in this battle. God placed himself in the Ark of the Covenant right smack dab in the middle of the battle plan. And by placing the Ark of the Covenant in front of his people, God was saying, hey, I'm going to lead this parade. You just get in line and do what I've said to do. Follow his promises. I've never thought of this before, but this past week I, I began to contemplate, I wonder what those people behind that double-walled city were thinking now, they knew a few things about these Israelites. Remember a couple of chapters ago when, when Rahab had a conversation with the two spies? She said, we've heard about y'all. We've heard about your God, how he parted the Red Sea. We, we've heard what you've done to the Amorite kings, Sean and Og. We, we know about you and we're afraid of you. They had just seen God heap up the waters of the Jordan River. They had seen that. And now they had shut up their city. They knew the Israelites were going to attack. They just didn't know how or when. And then it started. As they were peering over the city walls, here they came the first day. They just walked around and went back to camp. Second day. Third day. Maybe they're scratching their heads and thinking, these Israelites are crazy. What are they up to? And maybe they started making jokes day four or five. On the seventh day, I think they started getting a little bit nervous because they kept marching around the city. And although the people of Jericho didn't know it, they had already been defeated before those walls ever fell. They lost the battle when God got involved in the situation. So let's redo that equation one more time. Here's what we got. We got marching, we got trumpets, we got shouting. We've, we had those before, didn't we? But what's the fourth thing in this equation? You put God to it. Marching plus trumpets plus shouting plus God equals the walls came up. Tumbling down. God made all the difference. Those high walls couldn't keep him out. The God who created those stones could blow them over. Y'all just disappointed me. I, I, but y'all acted just like the first service. I said that, and I, man, I was just ready for this huge, amen, and you let me down, man. The God who made those stones certainly could blow them over. Amen. Amen. And you know what he did? It's absolutely amazing. I don't know exactly how God did it. I just know God did it. And then the city was taken by Joshua and the people. Wow. There is a day when Robert Morrison was a passenger on a ship going to China. He is the first known missionary who went to China. 
And aboard that ship, one day the captain asked him a, a rather uh, disparaging question. He said, what do you think you're going to do, convert China? To which Morrison replied, no, I'm not going to convert China, but I believe God is. That's Joshua faith right there, man. I mean, I can't do it, but I know my God can. And that brings me to step number five, just never give up. Never give up. Why march around the walls six days in a row? Why march seven times on the seventh day? Couldn't the walls have fallen on the first day or the third day or the fifth day? The answer is yes. The walls could have fallen any time God desired. So why in the world all this marching? Well, I think the answer is clear. It's how God works. Really, this is how God ordinarily works. The Lord could have said, Joshua, people of Israel, set this one out. I'll take care of it myself. He could have done that. But his normal plan is to use people to accomplish his purpose. And that's exactly what he did here. Even though God calls the walls to fall down, the people still had to march. They still had to shout. And when the walls fell down, they still had to go into the city and fight hand to hand. Bottom line, they had to be obedient. They had to stay at the task. Why? Because partial obedience is no obedience at all. What, what if these people had stopped marching after the first day, or the fourth day, or the fifth day, or the fifth time around on the seventh day? Well, if they would have stopped, then the walls would have never fallen down. But the miracle happened because they obeyed. They stayed at the There is no substitute for obedience. So on the seventh day, the army marched around seven times, and here's what happened. Verse 20, when the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So everyone charged straight in, and they took the city. And church, that's how faith works. And it's good to know, because sooner or later, every one of us are going to be facing our own wall of impossibility. The bad news is, look at me, it really is impossible. Your situation is going to be absolutely impossible. The good news is, God loves to start with the impossible. Ain't no problem too hard for our God. Ain't no wall too high, no wall too thick. All things are possible with God. Here's what we need to do. We need to yield our will to his. We need to submit to the lordship of Jesus Christ. We need to face our problem head on. Because let me tell you, your problem ain't going away. And God has your problem in front of you for a reason. <clears throat> Angie talked about that. You're here for a purpose, a reason. And that problem is there for a reason. You know what? I know I don't look like it, but I lift weights every day. Something happens when you get old like me. And, and, and it's, it's real, it, it's, it's tough. Jason, you're going to get there one day. You have to work all the much harder just to keep what you had. Okay? Because it starts sagging and going away and turning into fat. But I do. I lift weights every day, every day, except Sunday, 
and I'm doing this on Sunday. It's my cardio day. <laughs> I, just, I love to lift weights, but, but here's what I know about lifting weights. It's hard. It's strenuous. Those weights are just dead weights. But you know what? If I don't lift weights, my muscles are going to become stagnant. They're not going to grow. You grow when you face difficulties. You grow when you press through and do something hard. God has that impossibility in front of you, not because he's a mean God or doing something mean in your life. He loves you, and he wants you to be a better person than you are right now. And he knows for you to grow, you're going to have to go through some weightlifting, some strenuous prayer time. You're going to have to go through some tough times. And so you face your impossibility. But you do it following God's plan. God's always got a plan. He's got a plan to get through that wall. You've just got to trust his plan. And remember his promises. God has never failed us. Thanks for singing that last song. His promises are true. God is faithful to the end. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is good on his promises. He helped me through my last impossibility. He's going to help me through this one. You hang on to the promises of God, and you never, ever give up. And you got your miracle right there. One final thought. The real battle of Jericho was not with the Canaanites. I think the real battle was in the hearts and the minds of the people of God. Would they believe what God had said? Would they risk public humiliation if those walls really didn't fall down? Would they do what seemed absurd, at least from a human perspective, in order to see God do the impossible? That's where the real battle was. Hebrews 11.30 says the walls fell by what? By faith. They did the right thing. They had faith. How will we face and conquer our own walls of impossibility? How are you going to do it? Where do you find the faith to do it? Well, just go another chapter in Hebrews to chapter 12, verse 2, and you find the answer to that. It says, look to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. Older translations say, look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, because he's the one who starts it, and he's the one who finishes it. He is the captain of our salvation. So church, keep your eyes on him. I said one final thought. Here's another final thought, so it's a PSS, all right? Do you know the Old Testament name for Jesus is Joshua? It is. The Hebrew name for Jesus is Joshua. And in the Hebrew, Joshua means God saves. In the Greek, it was shortened to Jesus or Savior. So the Old Testament Joshua points to the Lord Jesus Christ who leads his people to victory. Because remember, Jesus is the captain of the Lord's army. And he has been since the Old Testament. He can lead us to victory. Church, keep your eyes on Jesus. Look to Jesus. Follow Jesus wherever he leads you. And when King Jesus leads the way, the walls are going to come tumbling down.
This is the word of God. Heavenly Father, would you please, please speak to our hearts right now. Dear Jesus, there are people in this room who need to come and receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. I pray that they would step out in faith and come and receive the gift of salvation. There are others who are facing their walls of impossibility. And dear Lord, I I pray that during this prayer time, they would just bundle up all of their issues and problems and perplexities and bring them and lay them at the foot of the cross. Lord, for those of us who just need to be comforted and strengthened by your Holy Spirit, may we come this morning and pray. You might lead others, dear Lord, to come and pray for someone in their family or a friend that is lost and without Christ. Lord, however you lead, I pray that we would follow, that we would submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ today. Have your will in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask that you stand with heads bowed and eyes closed. Praise team's going to sing, but why don't you just step out and come right now as you stand up. You need a miracle? Come and ask God for it. Walking around these walls I thought by now they
May we follow your plan, remember your promises, and never give up. I pray a blessing on our people and everyone watching online. Use us to be kingdom people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Thanks for being here today. Don't leave because something really cool is about to happen. It's, it's about to heat up in here, man. It's going to be awesome in just a moment. When we do let you go, make sure you drop your offering in one of those black boxes at the exit, or you can give online. 6.30 tonight, we're going to have Bible study online. Our own Kurt Dieter is going to be teaching that lesson, so tune in, 6.30, Facebook Live, the Kavanaugh page. And then on Wednesday night at 7 p.m., we have activities for all age groups. Well, we baptized two people at the end of the first service, and uh, I think we've got nine that we're about to baptize this service. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? I don't know how it's all going to go, but it's going to be cool, isn't it? So uh, let's, just, let's just let it flow right now. What's up, Kavanaugh Church? How's everyone doing? You guys ready to see some baptisms today? Amen. Hey, the Bible does indeed say to go into all the world and preach the gospel, and then to baptize them, the people, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. What we do is, as, as the gospel is preached, we help people identify with the Father. We help people identify with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And so what I'm thankful for this morning is I have Natalie and Eli up here with me, and they, just within the last few weeks, both have received Jesus as their Lord and Savior. It's super awesome. Super cool. I love my teams. Uh, with Natalie, we were in line at Silver Dollar City for a roller coaster, and she's like, hey, I need to talk to you about giving my life to Jesus. Like, okay, boom, that was Friday. Sunday, we're coming to church, and we're going to get this thing done. So we did that then, and then Eli on, on a Wednesday night up in Blaze, he, he received the Lord. So really cool. I love these, these two so much, and it means the world when we see teenagers give their lives to Jesus. But not, on, not only that, but to make a public commitment that this is the life that I live now, and I'm going to honor Jesus with the rest of it. So very, very proud of these two. So let's, let's do, this, do this, okay? Natalie, do you believe Jesus as your, uh, to be your Lord and Savior? Yes. And do you promise to serve him with the rest of your life? Yes. Well, then I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Grab your nose. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Let's stand over there. Don't drop the football player. Okay. <laughs> Eli, I love you, man. Hey, do you love Jesus as your Lord and Savior? You promise to serve him with the rest of your life? All right. Then I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. All right. There he goes. All right. Hey, come here. Come here. Brother Jason Armstrong, will you stand and pray for Natalie and Eli for us? Hey everybody, how are you? What a great day this is today. But I did have to bring in a pinch, a pinch dunker. So thankful to be with Tyler, say it again, Tinley and Taylor, 
Spencer, we had a great time at uh, church camp this year, and I, I was there with her mother and her dad, and these young ladies were saved, and we were all there to get to be there with them. Wasn't that wonderful? So uh, they couldn't wait to be baptized, and uh, so we're so thankful and proud of them. Amen. Tell you what, I'm going to start right here. You're putting your hand up on your glasses right there. It is with great joy that I get to baptize my sister. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And her precious sister, again, it is with great joy that I get to baptize you, my sister in Christ, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. All right, that's almost as good as I can do. (laughs) All right, we got another one. Go ahead. Olivia. Next we have Olivia Fox. She's been coming for years and years, and we're glad and find that we're able to baptize her today. Olivia, I am so proud of you, and I love you so much. And it is with great pleasure that I get to baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Good job. Amen. God bless you, Olivia. Certainly love Olivia. We sure do. Thank you, Alexis. Next. No, wait a minute. We got any more little ones back there? You can come ahead. You can come ahead. We got more more little ones. Should be two more. More little ones. There There we go. go. There we go. The little cute one. Here we go. There you go. Another little cute one. This is Alexis. And not long ago, she asked you this into her heart, and we're so thankful for that. We sure are. Alexa, I love you so much, and it was a joy talking to you about uh, your salvation and now your baptism. So it is with great pleasure that I get to baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Yay, good job. Love you, love you, love you. Next, next we have Jace, and he's been asking me for almost a year, when can I be baptized? But he's been ready. Haven't <laughs> you, buddy? He is, and he is a good-looking young man. It is with great pleasure that I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Grab your nose. There you go. Mm, there we go. Good job, Good job, man. buddy. Amen, amen. Let's, let's pray for all these kiddos who have followed the Lord in baptism. I'm going to ask Kurt Dieter if he would stand and pray for these kids that they would live their faith for Jesus Christ. Amen. I am so honored today to have Kaylee Powell's in the baptistry with me. I've known Kaylee since she was a teenager. She was a track star and volleyball star in Mansfield when my daughter Callie ran track and played. 
And uh, they became friends and even were teammates for a while. And I watched Kaylee grow up. She now is a teacher and a coach in Mansfield. Isn't that awesome? I am so proud of you. She has been attending Kavanaugh Church, and she wants to follow the Lord in Christian baptism. So, Kaylee, it is with great honor that I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you, girl. Angie, Miss Angie, I'm going to ask you to say a prayer for Kaylee. Would you pray for her? Thank you, girl. Lord, we praise your name today. We give you all the glory. We thank you so much for Kaylee and for her witness today. Lord, help her to be strengthened by this commitment and refreshed. And I pray that all of us that, will, that have witnessed this will gather around her and pray for her and celebrate what she has done today. Father, use her in a mighty way right where you placed her in Mansfield. We give you glory and honor for that today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Hey, guys, this is my bodyguard, okay, Daniel. Uh, love Daniel. He's a student of Merge Ministry. Uh, his brother Stephen comes to church here, and he recently rededicated his life to the Lord and is following that up with baptism today. So, Amen. Daniel, we're Amen. so proud of you. We love you, brother. And it's with great honor that I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Grab your nose. Amen. Amen. All right. That's Hang awesome, on. Man. Stephen, I want you to pray for Daniel. Amen. Isn't God good? Woo, give him a hand, man. God is awesome. And whatever wall of impossibility you're facing, have faith, and those walls will come tumbling down. God loves you. I love you. Have a great day. Be salt and light for the Lord. You're dismissed. <laughs>